In terms of the other aspects, the building value is a lot easier in our online business than a lot of other investments, in my opinion, because the value is based off of how much net profit you're making. So just by the nature of growing the business, you're adding value to its eventual uh, valuation when you exit the business. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino by investing in real property investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Greg Elfrink, and we're talking about something a little different than normal, actually. We're talking about buying online businesses, how to find them, how to evaluate them, what to look for, what the time commitment is, all of that. Greg works with Empire Flippers, a curated online marketplace for businesses, and they do a lot of the initial due diligence for you. So, if you're somebody who's interested in buying online businesses after listening to this conversation, go check out their platform. I think it's really a, a very interesting opportunity to escape Wall Street and get some cash flow coming in through a, a new avenue, an online business. And there are a lot of folks having a lot of success with this. But like anything else, there's there's risk involved, right? And you need to know what to look for going in, how to find the right right investment uh, business for you. And what to do once you own the, the once you own the thing, right? You need to know how to operate it properly, to grow it, to grow the cash flow, how to manage it when things go wrong, and all of that. I know a few folks who have uh, successful online businesses are making fantastic income through them passively with just you know maybe a couple hours a month worth of time, but it takes time to get to that point if that's something you want to do, and you need to know how to do that. You need to know how to run the business like a business rather than like a job. And we're talking about all of those things today with Greg Elfrink. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. There's a couple things I'm going to ask you to do. First, if you're an Apple Podcast user and you haven't yet and you enjoy the show, please go and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. That's very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. It helps me feel good because I get to see that you guys are engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you haven't yet, no matter what podcast app you use, take a quick second, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device. And if you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Once again, the Passive Wealth Strategy Show is all about helping you escape the Wall Street casino, primarily through real estate investing, but that's not the only way to do it, right? And Greg is a real estate investor too, so he gets it, right? He gets the advantage of real estate, but buying and investing in online businesses is another way to build cash flow and build some equity, right? Because you can add value to these businesses by improving their operations. So all around can be a great opportunity if it's the right fit for you. And that's what you're going to learn about today with Greg Elfrink. Without any further ado, here we go. Greg, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I hope uh, I can provide some value to your audience. Well, it's been great talking with you for the last uh, 25 minutes or so. You've got a really cool business and background personally and some awesome goals and everything that you're doing in the Empire Flippers world. For our listeners out there, can you tell us a bit about 
your background and your business. And then we're going to dive right into investing in online businesses. Sure. So my name is Gregory Elfrink. I'm the head of marketing over at Empire Flippers. And what we do is we are the number one largest curated marketplace in the world when it comes to buying and selling profitable online businesses. So that's uh, content sites that are usually monetized through affiliate or display ads, uh, e-commerce businesses like Amazon FBA or Shopify stores and SaaS businesses. We sell other businesses too, outside of SaaS and software, but those are a little bit less uh, common, I'd say. But any online business, we help people buy and sell them. So we make entre- help entrepreneurs make exits, help buyers make investments. Well, I love that. And that is one of the great ways to escape the Wall Street casino and buying a business. And this new, still relatively new frontier of online business can be very profitable. And on a personal level, for our listeners out there who you know don't know this, you live in Vietnam full-time, even though you're originally from Alaska, and work on a digital, no bad type of team, which is really cool and a great opportunity. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I've been in Vietnam, like I was telling you, uh, for off and on about five years, and originally from Alaska, so it's awesome to escape the uh, brutal winter of the north. <laughs> and, uh, the whole digital nomad thing is it's interesting, man. Our whole company is that way. We're all around the world. We eschew the concept of offices. We just don't think it's required anymore. And it's funny now with the pandemic hitting us, like. A lot of our USP is kind of taken away because so many companies are now also working fully remote, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, well, this, we used to, we were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> so you can join us still. <laughs> well, uh, but yeah, I love it. I, you know, I'll be honest, I had a nightmare just last night that I had to go back to living in a, working in an office and it was the worst thing ever, literally a nightmare. And I think a lot of folks <laughs> that work in the, you know, more traditional corporate world, it seems, once we kind of get out of the the pandemic situation, are going to be pulled back into the office. So you're going to maintain that uh, yeah. selling proposition. I, I'm seeing that already with a few friends getting pulled back in the office. I have some friends who literally quit their jobs because of it uh, and now are only looking for remote uh, opportunities. So I do think it's going to grow bigger, uh, much bigger than it has ever been. But yeah, you're right. Some some corporations are going to bring people back in, <laughs> back into the, the grind of the nine to five cubicle. So that... I mean, that's a perfect reason for somebody to want to buy or look into buying an online business and building wealth and cash flow outside of Wall Street. And, you know, let's let's learn the upside of buying an online business. Is it a cash flow play? Is it buy and add value? Or where does somebody like make a return when they buy a business online? Yes. So it's basically everything you just said at once, because buying a business is not like buying a stock. You have so many avenues to make money. You know, uh, Real estate, for example, I think is a closer comparison because there's a lot of different ways to make money in real estate. And there's just almost an infinite amount of ways to make money with uh, online businesses. So what I will say for people starting out, it's a fantastic cash flow play uh, because the amount of money you put down to the amount you're earning every month in net profit is huge. Uh, unfortunately, there's no financial leverage like you can do in real estate. So that's the tough part. But even when you consider that, the cash flow outpaces real estate pretty dramatically. In terms of the other aspects, the building value is a lot easier in an online business than a lot of other investments, in my opinion, because the value is based off of how much net profit you're making. So just by the nature of 
growing the business, you're adding value to its eventual uh, valuation when you exit the business. So we have people in our marketplace, all they do is they'll look for businesses uh, very similar to a house flipper, look for a business that's wounded in the sense that there's something wrong with it that they know how to fix. They get to buy that business at a discount. They fix the problem. And six to 18 months later, they come back and sell it with us for a much, much higher multiple. So that that's what we call a, a, a flipper Fred, you know, and that's their whole business model is just buying these businesses, fixing them up and selling them. So that, and that's just one strategy. So cash flow, equity, uh, there's also strategies like synergy bolt-on. So like, let's say uh, you had a, a fitness business, like maybe you're a fitness coach or something like that. And you buy a Amazon FBA business selling jump ropes. Like there's obvious synergistic benefits there, right? That both businesses can promote each other with their audience and their products. And that's another style. So there's so many different ways to make money with online businesses. You're really like, you're only restricted by your imagination a lot of the times. That's that's interesting. So I, th- I guess one of the things I've really wondered about this is how can somebody tell if this is the right strategy for them when they've got a number of options to invest in, right? There's stocks and Wall Street and everything. And if they're interested in that, then this is probably not the show that they're listening to. And then there's real estate <laughs> investing, which you're a real estate investor as well. We were talking about that a bit earlier. And then there's buying businesses, which obviously can have a tremendous amount of upside if you do it right. But there's, you know, there's probably time involved and everything like that. How do you know if it's right for you? Yes, this is a good question. So for uh, someone who's just starting out who wants to look at buying a business, the first thing you got to be comfortable with is risk. So I would say buying a business is more risky than investing in the stock market in a lot of ways. Now, investing in a single stock probably is actually a similar level of risk, to be honest, because most people lose money when they do that. But buying a business, you got to be okay with losing all the money you put in. And if you're not okay with that, then it might not be the right asset for you, right? Um, So it's definitely more volatile. But with that risk comes great reward. Uh, So how you can put the cards in your favor is a few different things. First of all, I like to do what is called a criteria discovery call. So that's something our salespeople do that is totally free, whether you use us or not, uh, to help you discover what makes sense. And we start at the top level, like what are my goals? So like what are my personal and business goals, right? For some people, buying a business that you know makes them work an extra 20, 30 hours a week is absolutely fine because of what their personal and business goals are. For other people, that's the exact opposite of fine, right? They need to find a business that only costs them like an hour a week, which those businesses do actually exist. So that's the first part. What are your personal and business goals with this? Third, second part is what are your current skill sets? If you're uh, brand new to internet marketing and online business, you might think you have nothing, but uh, that's usually not the case. Usually there's skills that uh, from other parts of your life that transfer over well, such as uh, if you buy an e-commerce store, right? Maybe you're familiar with supply chain from your current job. Like we have people in procurement buying e-commerce stores from us, right? So see what kind of transferable skills you have and then lay that over the, the ecosystem of the different businesses are out there. And of course, budget. Uh, one thing I always say with budget is split it in thirds if you're just starting out. So let's say you have $300,000 to invest. Take uh, $100,000 and put it that into three different pools. 
don't buy a business that's higher than 100K to starting out with because that first business you buy is probably the one you're going to make the vast majority of your mistakes. <laughs> sure. So you don't want to buy something where you <laughs> lose everything at once because you don't know what's going on just yet. Uh, the second business will probably have some mistakes. Third business, you'll probably have a pretty good idea what's happening. So try to set the cards in your favor by having that kind of concept and also setting aside like I usually like 10% of working capital, so 10% of whatever the price of the business is, just so things go wrong. That's another mistake I see people make that is easy uh, not to think about like, oh, I just spent $300,000 on this business. And then there was this update. I have no idea how to fix it. And I have no resources to hire someone to tell me how to fix it. You know? <laughs> so you want to put yourself in a good place to handle uh, the risk. Mm, okay. And I want to you know, go back to that time commitment point that you had made, because being the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, we know we're not going to get something for nothing, right? We're going to have to invest some amount of time in no matter what we're doing, whether it's real estate investing or buying businesses. But we also don't necessarily want to buy ourselves another job. You said there are options out there right. from an hour a week to 30 hours a week. But what's like the most like realistic you know, thing that people should be aiming for? And I would also expect that when you first buy a business, there's probably more time required per week. And then once you kind of know what you're doing, get it a little more streamlined, there's less time. Oh. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the beautiful part about businesses is that they're basically systems of leverage, right? As long as you understand how the systems work, you can like almost any business pretty hands-off. Now, that takes skill, time, and dedication to do that up front, but that is definitely a possibility. Now, when you're buying a business, a lot of the systems of leverage are kind of already there. So if your plan is just to maintain the business from a cash flow perspective, usually the commitment on your time is very low. So for an affiliate site, I have friends who have affiliate sites making 20, 30K a month, and they spend an hour every other month on the business, right? Now, Google Update happens, and suddenly they're making $1,000 a month, and they got to go <laughs> fix it, right? Uh, so things happen, of course, that you have to go in and fix, just like a, real, uh, a, a rental house with a toilet breaking or something. Thing, right. Uh, so the, these are things you can definitely do. Uh, my advice is if you plan on buying a business to grow, just know that you're going to be spending a lot more time than the hours advertised, at least double. So if the owner is saying he spends uh, five hours a week and you're planning on growing it, expect at least 10 hours a week from your part. But the beautiful thing about businesses is it's very upfront. Similar Again, similar to real estate, right? The, the most pressing thing from a real estate investor's uh, time is finding an actual deal. Like that takes a lot of work, right? <laughs> because that's where all the magic happens is how you buy it. And with a business, all the upfront work you're putting into it is basically the seeds to allow that system uh, to start leveraging itself, either through automation, traffic sources, or just hiring people and having a good team in place to manage the business on your behalf. Hmm, okay. Do you want direct access to passive commercial real estate investments, including apartments, self-storage, medical facilities, hotels, and even more? CrowdStreet has you covered. They provide access to a wide variety of commercial real estate syndications for accredited investors. Over 520 deals have been closed through the platform, and investors have placed over $2.1 billion, that's billion with a B, in those deals. Go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started, or click the link in the show notes. See the CrowdStreet platform for full terms and conditions of what they offer. Once again, that's PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started.
<laughs> now, another big question I would have if I was going into this is valuation. I think when you're buying a business, it's probably valued on like free cash flow or something like that. But what are the multiples and how can folks know if they're getting, you know, a, a decent deal or, you know, what to expect when they're going into this? Yes. Uh, so multiples are interesting because they, for historically, they were usually lower than like a brick and mortar business. Uh, but that's really changed in the last two years. Uh, that's changed dramatically. So now they're much more on pair uh, with what you'd see from a brick and mortar business. But you're looking at like the way we do it, we do it based off of a monthly multiple. So <laughs> if your crowd that's used to EBITDA, don't get freaked out when I say these multiple numbers. Uh, but you're looking at a multiple between 32x to 45x, depending on the business. It could go even higher because valuations have shot way up. Uh, but with that said, you're still getting really good cash flow. And you're right, it's based off of uh, the average net profit. So uh, if you go to our marketplace, for instance, and you see, okay, this business is making three grand or 20 grand a month, whatever, that's the actual net profit uh, after all expenses, everything. Like that's what you're going to get. Uh, and you can choose to pay yourself any of that or none of it if you want to just reinvest it. Right. So th that is uh, the basics of how the multiple works. We look at the 12 month average net profit. Then we times it against the multiple and the multiple itself is made up of a bunch of different factors like age, traffic diversity, revenue diversity, brand, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So it sounds like we're kind of also getting into the the curation bit of the Empire Flippers marketplace and, and what you guys you know provide as far as you know, vetting deals or sellers or anything like that. Can you tell us more about what you guys do as far as investigating these deals before they're listed on your marketplace? Yeah, 100%. So th this is a, a good point you're bringing up here because if someone's listening to this and you want to go buy a business, especially if it's underneath $50,000, just be very, very careful because that's where most of the scams exist is in ah. that uh, sub $100,000 range because it's very easy to doctor the numbers. Uh, like, oh yeah, my affiliate site made this much money, but they don't tell you that all their family and friends have been buying through that affiliate link to pump up the numbers, right? So these are things we look for. Uh, once you get a, get above $100,000, especially above $200,000, almost all those problems go away. Uh, then they're pr pretty much non-existent in the seven-figure range, which we, we sell seven-figure and eight-figure businesses as well. But yeah, in terms of what we do, we are very conscious of only putting quality on the on the marketplace. So we actually reject 92% of businesses that come our way. Uh, they just don't meet our quality standards. So they're just rejected. So that way, our buyers know what they're looking at is like the cream of the crop of what like what has come to our marketplace. Uh, but yeah, we look for anything nefarious. We make sure the seller is a real person. Sometimes you get these like strange entrepreneurs who are personas hiding behind masks or whatever. We make sure that you know everything looks right. And to be honest, most of the stuff is not nefarious. A lot of it is just like the entrepreneur didn't know they need to do this. So it's nothing like I'm trying to pull a fast one on you or something like that. Uh, a great example is in e-commerce. A very common problem for e-commerce entrepreneurs is they're not great accountants. <laughs> they're very creative, visionary <laughs> people. And so their profit and loss statement is a wicked mess. So we'll help them uh, rebuild that whole thing for them. And sometimes they realize, oh, crap, I'm not making as much money as I thought I was. <laughs> like, I'll come back in a few months, you know, uh, now that I've seen this document. Uh, so we'll help them with that, make sure the business is presentable, high quality. Uh, we see any glaring errors or, you know, things that might make it hard to sell. We'll tell them like, hey, look, maybe this isn't the right time to 
to sell. We could set up a, an exit planning call and create a plan for you, though. So in like six, nine months, you can come back and you won't have these issues. And you'll sell a lot easier once you do go on the marketplace. So those are all the things our vetting team tries to do. Weed out the nefarious actors and help the good actors present their business in the best light possible. Hmm, okay. Now, something I probably should have asked a little bit earlier, but occurs to me now is just the categories of businesses that are listed on the site or like what types, you know, what, what styles of businesses they are. You mentioned e-commerce. I think there's uh, Amazon FBA, affiliate sites. What else are included? Is there anything else? What's the, you know, the, what's under the tent? Yes. <laughs> yeah, like I said, there's a, there's a great amount of variety. Their content businesses and e-commerce businesses are the mainstay. Amazon FBA being a subset of the e-commerce world. Um, SaaS software as a service. So we just listed a seven million dollar uh, SaaS business wow. uh, on our marketplace. Yeah, I'm excited for that. We're, she's actually a, a friend of the company. We've known her for a long time. But yeah, so the SaaS businesses are big. We sold apps like iPhone apps, Android apps. Uh, usually those ones are smaller and not as common, but we sold like Shopify apps, WooCommerce apps or WooCommerce plugins rather. Uh, we even sold YouTube channels. Uh, those are, can be <laughs> difficult because they're, the, the entrepreneur often makes the mistake of making themselves the, the face of the brand, yes. which is hard to sell. We sold info product courses, usually not in the marketing niche, usually it's in a boring niche, like uh, how to get how to pass a certain engineering exam or something like that. Uh, and those are uh, quite good businesses to sell. Um, I think the weirdest one that I think is cool is KDP businesses. So Kindle publishing, you know, uh, you can go buy uh, books off of Amazon, right? So what these businesses do, they basically have an SOP of how to create a novel or a, or a story or whatever. And they hire a ghost, uh, this team of ghostwriters to write underneath this pen name that they build up as the author. And soon they have like 30, 50, 100 books uh, with different uh, pen names doing different kinds of uh, stories. And they're acting kind of like a publishing house that owns everything from the written word to the uh, actual marketing of it. Hmm. And we sold uh, a couple seven-figure KDP publishing businesses, which are which I think is the most esoteric of the business models out there. It's just a, <laughs> it's so interesting. Uh, but yeah, so really any online business we can we can sell. We sold service businesses too. Those are extremely difficult. So if you have like a, a marketing agency, we have sold them, but they're very, very hard to sell for a lot of similar reasons that the YouTube channel uh, style is hard to sell. They're often the face of the brand and usually the entrepreneur is doing everything. <laughs> so there's no <laughs> systems of leverage. Uh, service businesses are tough to build leverage in. So Now what? In that Amazon uh, Kindle book area, I feel like I heard more about that maybe around 2014, 2015. And then my understanding is Amazon kind of made a change where it got a lot harder to sell like a low priced uh, like Kindle kind of book like that is my understanding right, number one. And then number two, has that you know shifted and how folks kind of dealt with that change in the marketplace? Yes. So uh, from what I've seen, and I'm a writer myself, I write fiction for fun as a hobby. Oh, cool. So I'm, I'm always curious on like book marketing. I just find it fascinating. But uh, yeah, you're right. There was that gold rush of hype when they first announced. And then the hype died off as Amazon like got a lot of these uh, tricksters out of the marketplace as much as possible. Like They still exist, of course, just because there's so many of them. right? Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of the businesses we sell, they don't really focus on creating low quality books. Like These are real books like okay. written by professionals okay. like uh like professional ghostwriters so a good example of it would be something like 
you know, you look at the Star Wars novels as an example. A lot of those novels are uh, like the, their famous authors are actually just pen names of multiple different writers that Star Wars hired ghostwriters to build up this pen name. So that way they don't have to pay royalties to the writers. <laughs> they, only pay, they, they pay them one off, you know, they'll pay them like 30 grand to write a book or something. And then they own the rights to the book. Uh, so it's a very similar model to that, I would say. Uh, we have a stable writers so you're like a publishing house basically that uh, owns the work completely rather than paying out royalties. Interesting. Cool. Well, I think, you know, this can be a great strategy to again, escape the wall street casino. And, you know, I'd love to hear you know, success stories in the future or, or talk with folks who have done this firsthand and, and learn about their experiences, but I'm glad that you're out there making this available for folks right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right. I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Yeah. So I will have to say my house, my uh, my first house I bought. So I, I was thinking about this and I, I think this is, I did it when I was in my early 20s. I did it through uh, FHA. So I only put like five grand down on a nice. 250K house. Uh, it was a four bedroom house and I house hacked it for years. I was only making like 50 bucks a month off of it. If that, you know, if somebody broke, like, oh, there goes six months of profit. <laughs> right. But that got me uh, the ability to own that large asset. Uh, so now it covers my entire rent in Vietnam. Easy. <laughs> so now my, I'm living technically rent free off of that investment. But uh, I, I want to say that's like the best investment I've ever made in terms of like money and in, in terms of like money in my pocket today, but is one of my best investments from a, a long-term uh, point of view because, you know, it's just stable. So I, I'm a big believer in like having a large portion of my portfolio in 
risky stuff that grows. And I always view real estate on the lower end of the risk. And real estate is just such a great income floor uh, once you get it going. So yeah, real estate, I think is the best. I, I'm not allowed to buy businesses. Otherwise, I would say that because that's, <laughs> that's considered a conflict of interest. You know, you know, a $100,000 website is going to be making you between like two to, five, two to 5K a month in net profit versus like, you know, a $100,000 house might be making like 200, 300 bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Worst investment I've ever made? Well, I bought some crypto. (laughs) 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 No, I'm actually a bullish on crypto, but I I did see like my whole portfolio like go to zero, (laughs) not not zero, but like a very red candle recently. But I'm okay with that because it's the long term play, anyhow. But uh, worst investment would probably be uh, college. I went to college for, uh, and some people probably will not like this answer, but uh, I went to college for about six months. <laughs> so I didn't do the full thing. Um, and to me, it just felt like, like okay, like I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, a marketer, and a writer and travel the world. None of these things I feel like college is a requirement to do. So why am I doing it? And all my friends were, uh, you know, at the time were telling me I'm an idiot, all this stuff. Like you can't believe you're not going to college. It was a high, very high peer pressure. So I went for six months, and I had to go to this English class, and they were teaching me like basic stuff. And like, why am I paying money for this? So eventually, I dropped out of all classes except for kung fu and public speaking. I enjoyed both of those, so I kept going. Uh, and uh, yeah, I ended up paying six grand. I think it was six grand for the semester at a community college. And I just, it made me double down on me not wanting to go to college, basically. (laughs) I think that was the right choice for me. Not the right choice for everybody, but it was the right choice for me. Interesting. Well, that is certainly fair. And you're right. You do not need a college degree to do what you're doing today. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yes. uh, The most important lesson I think is just being stoic. So I think uh, I think what messes people up a lot with investment is, is they're too emotional, uh, and we're emotional creatures, right? So it's like it's hard to separate that. But like for example, I was just joking about my crypto portfolio losing tons of money, right? Uh, and I knew going in because I was starting in at a big wave. I was only investing a little bit of amount of money because it, it was you know going up so dramatically. I knew it was going to fall. I have tons of friends in crypto. I just wanted a little bit of exposure with the plan of buying even more when it dips. I'm in like all these different communities and I see this even in the entrepreneurial community where once the crypto fell in this like different chats I'm in, everyone's like panic selling, you know, like, why would you do this? You know, is their emotions are getting the best of them, you know, uh, like only panic sell if you actually need the money. Right. Uh, and this is why I'm a big proponent of only invest money that you're okay with losing. Cause that way, if things go bad, you're not as motivated to sell because you're like, well, whatever, I don't need it, right? Uh, let's see if something happens or buy the dip. So I think being stoic in, in, in business buying, the same thing is true. Like you see a Google algorithm update where your SEO traffic is slashed by 50%. You're like, I made the stupidest investment in the world. But if you just were calm and you hire a consultant or figure it out, you can usually fix that. And when you fix it, your SEO traffic not only comes roaring back, but can double or triple, right? So being able to be stoic, I think, is the most important part of being an investor. Writing the ups and downs, not really letting it affect you. You know, It's just all part of the game. Well, I really appreciate that. And I think 
yeah, stepping back and keeping emotions out of investing as best you can is so important, particularly when things are going down, right? As as Warren Buffett likes to say, uh, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And that's really hard to do. The reason that's good advice is because it's really tough or the reason it's profound is because it's very difficult to do. And I want to thank you for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to learn more about your business, if they want to learn about buying an online business or anything else that you do, where can they track you down? Sure. So uh, empireflippers.com is our site. If you want to get a hold of me personally, it's just greg at empireflippers.com. I'm usually pretty easy to connect with. Or you can just add me on LinkedIn. I'm Gregory Alfrank on there. I try to be active on there too. So always happy to help uh, whether you use us or not. Uh, I, I really love what this industry can do for someone's life. So always happy to give free advice when I can or point you to someone who can help if I don't think I can. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. It's very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. It helps me feel good because I'm seeing that you guys are engaging with the content. You're learning from us and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. I want to thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.